When you and I believe that we are right, and we think we know somebody else and their motives and their intentions and their perspectives, and we think we understand them and we get it wrong, let's be the first to admit, I've screwed up. I need forgiveness because I was once far off, but God has brought me near. Admit that you're wrong. Second is this, I think that in order for us to see this unity God intends, this oneness in the body, this life where hostility is torn down in order to see this, you and I need to learn to listen. Truly listen. What I mean by that is, if you think you understand somebody, ask, clarify, double check, is this what you mean? Is this what you're saying? Is this what you think? Is this what you feel? I want to actually understand you. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 downtown west boulevard we pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with god where you are good morning point family it is so good to be here with you and i am so excited for when we get to be in person again in the hopefully uh somewhat near future i have a quick question for you how well do you know me to be fair how well do i know you how well do you know really anybody? We sometimes in our culture think that we can make a pretty good first impression, we can size up a situation and understand somebody pretty well upon our first impression. There's a psychologist a couple years back who was doing an experiment and I, I read about this experiment this week and I thought I would share it with you. A friend of mine handed me this book called Talking with Strangers, all about how do we get to know people and truly actually know them. And in the experiment, what this psychologist did was she took a bunch of words and took out a few letters. So maybe she'd show the, le the, the word that started S-H and then had two blanks. How do you fill that in? Do you first start with O-E, that it's shoe, or O-W, that it's show, or, or maybe you fill it in with something else and it sounds very much different? And she took all of these different words and she just showed them to people and had them fill it in with their initial response and began to notice. Oftentimes people had words that were very similar, money and bank and theft and things that kind of all went together. And she asked people in this experiment, does this describe who you are as a person? Is there something we can identify in the words you chose that help us discover who you are? And everybody, almost everybody at least, in the experience said, no, 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 these words don't describe me. I'm not pessimistic. I'm not dangerous. I'm a very happy person. And yet, she then just moments later took the words somebody else filled in. 
and said, what do you think about this person? And handed them their, these words. And, and what was really interesting, she found almost uh, conclusively every one of them said, oh, this person must be really tired or they're having marital problems or they're not a very happy person or said something about the life and the personality of the words they received. And she noticed this inconsistency that uh, nobody wanted to be judged by their own thoughts and words. Nobody thought their thoughts and words truly represented them, but somebody else's somehow did. And as I was reading this book, I, I read this quote from her that I thought is really beautiful and kind of convicting. It says this, The conviction that we know others better than they know us, and that we may have insights about them they lack, but not vice versa, leads us to talk when we would do well to listen and to be less patient than we ought to be when others express the conviction that they are the ones who are being misunderstood or judged. What a profound understanding. The, the fact that we think we know others really well leads us to talk when we should listen, to think we understand when we don't have a clue. As I prepared for this message today and this text I want to share with you, the text we're going to look at is in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And I read this and it seems really fitting because oftentimes I'm guilty of thinking I know somebody better than I do. And so I read into their words, I, I overthink their actions, I assume things about them that aren't always true. Have you ever done this? found yourself thinking you know somebody really well and then they completely caught you off guard and surprised you, maybe in a positive, maybe in a really negative way? Here's the words of Ephesians. It says this in chapter 2. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul, he's writing to the church and he writes, it says, remember that you were once Gentiles. You still are Gentiles, but remember what that once meant for you. You see, a Gentile is any person who's not Jewish, either ethnically or religiously, any person who's outside of the people of God and of Israel in the Old Testament. This section begins, though, with a therefore, so I need to back up a little bit. Anytime you're reading scripture and you see a therefore, ask yourself, what is this therefore? Why is this here? What is it trying to convey? And so he's, he's saying, because of something that happened previously, remember this. This is what he says in, in verse 9, or verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you once were far off, See, Paul is he's laying out this argument for the people, this outline of what it looks like to be Christian, 
of what this life abundant, no ordinary life is that God has to offer. It says, remember, we are saved by grace through faith. It's not anything you've done. It's not anything you've earned. You don't deserve it. You didn't think hard enough or come to the right conclusions on your own. This is entirely a gift. We're created as his workmanship, created for good works, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the same way that last week we saw this language Paul uses of walking in faith, uh, he says we should walk in these good works, these things God has prepared for us. Our life as a Christian isn't filled with doing good things because it makes God happy. No, we do good things because our neighbor needs it. Our neighbor needs our good works for a great purpose. Paul says, therefore, remember that you were once separated and without hope. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing walls of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Paul writes and he says, Remember you yourself were once far off. Remember you yourself were once without hope. But now, now in Christ we were far, but we've been brought near. We were distant, but we were brought in and made a part of God's family. I began with that quote about how we sometimes don't actually know each other when we think we know each other. Because I think to understand what Paul is is saying, we need to begin with a confession. A confession that says, sometimes I assume the worst in people. Sometimes I misread situations and I read into them something that's not really there, and I assume people are against me when they're not, and I put all kinds of this negative cloud of of thoughts and attitude around somebody that when I interact with them, no matter what they do, I think they're out to get me. They're harming me. They don't like me. They don't love me. Have you ever felt that way? Or thought that way? Or, Or maybe you've legitimately been wronged by somebody. You're not reading into it at all. But because of the wrong in the past, you can't live in the present. Furthermore, you can't picture the future. Because of the wrong in the past, you're stuck thinking you know who they are, even if who they are today is not who they were then. Paul, he's writing and he says, look, because it's all a gift, remember you were once far off, but now you've been brought near. He says that the blood of Christ, that Jesus himself is our peace, who's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, there in the temple grounds, actually, even before Herod rebuilt the temple, even the original temple, there was a wall for the outer court. And that wall said Gentiles could come up to a certain point. But once they reached that wall, there was a sign that would mark that said, Any, Beware, if you cross this point, your death is on you. Like if you come any closer to the presence of God, if you come any closer to this community, any closer to this people, since you are not one of us, beware, your death is on you. 
And then inside that wall, there were other walls dividing and separating. There was a court for women, and it was the furthest in, the closest they could be. And then there's another court for every Jewish man. And then even inside of there, there was the temple itself. And even inside the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, the place where only the most holy, most perfect, righteous priest could go. And this temple that the Jewish people were familiar with, that they went to experience and connect with, G- with God at, this temple where they met God, separated people, and said, we know who you are. You are a Gentile. You are a sinner and you are far off. You don't belong here. You don't belong in this place of God's presence. This isn't for you. But Paul, he says, look, Jesus has torn down this dividing wall of hostility. I was reading this this week and I was trying to figure out what is this wall of hostility for you and for me? See, we don't have physical barriers that typically keep people out of our churches. We don't normally have physical barriers that say you're not welcome in this place. Do we? While we don't have a wall, sometimes our words do the same thing. We say you're welcome here unless you don't look like us. We say you're welcome here unless you don't think like us. We begin accidentally and sometimes even purposefully to say that we are the only ones who are getting it right. Have you ever heard that? Or felt that? Maybe not in regards to the church, maybe just at home. You know your opinion is fact. And your perspective is the only true perspective. And if anybody shares an opinion or perspective different than yours, you must defend for they were attacking. Have you ever experienced that in your marriage? Or with your children? Or with your co-workers? These walls of hostility that we have around us are not physical barriers, but they are barriers nonetheless. Barriers that you and I put between us and relationships with people that we're supposed to love. People whom Jesus loves. Barriers that hinder us from the life God wants us to have. But in Jesus, this dividing wall of hostility is torn down. That he might create in himself one new man and make peace. See, Jesus came and gave his life, not exclusively for your sins and my sins. He came and he gave his life because you and I are broken, divided people. And our natural intent, our natural reality is to assume the worst in others and to hold grudges and to think they're out to get us and to think we know them maybe better than we actually do. And yet what we need is to talk less and listen more to ask more questions and engage and actually say, I want to know you deeply and truly in every way. He goes on, and he came near, that is Jesus came near and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. 
See, Christ didn't come that we can superficially know one another. He didn't come that we can just have a passive hello and wave and say that's good enough. No, he came that we can actually be brought together. The two be made one that you and I can be one people. Now, we won't physically actually become one person. That would be crazy and really weird. Uh, I hope we get your hair, not mine, right? But uh, we are made to be one person filled with unity. We as the church collective are made to think and act the same. Not like drones who have no uniqueness, but with the same common mission and the same common purpose. Now, I have to confess to you that as a pastor and somebody who cares deeply about the church, sometimes my attitude about the church isn't always healthy. Sometimes I think to myself, gosh, if only these people could figure it out. If only these other churches in Knoxville could be as cool as the point and could love people as well as we do. If only they acted better like we do and did the things we do. Have you ever thought this? Or am I the only sinner here? You see, when God tells us that he's making us one, it's not just you and me and the people of the point. It's you and me and the people of the point and the people of the other church down the street and the people of the church we really don't like and the people that we think are against us because their opinions are different than us. He's making us one. And this life he intends for us to have is a beautiful one built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, built on this promise that they revealed to us and gave to us in Scripture, built upon this promise that Jesus would tear down the hostility and unite us forever. And then it goes on, it says, not only are we built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Jesus himself is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You and I, the church, the people of God, we need to see Jesus for who he is. This one who unites us when everything else in this world wants to separate us. This one who tears down the hostility that we can actually have peace and peace with one another in all things. And I was thinking about this and praying about this and thinking about this quote I read and how we're so quick to talk and slow to listen. And how we assume we know people better than we really do. And I thought to myself... This idea of unity is a really beautiful picture. Like, I would love to be a part of a church that had such compassion and such love that even when they disagreed, they could be respectful. That even when they saw flaws in the other, they could approach them in kindness and gentleness. That the fruits of the Spirit poured out in everything. I would love to be a part of that church that saw all churches as part of God's church and didn't care if we look different and do things differently and didn't care if we disagree on various points of how church should be done, but wanted people to meet Jesus. I'd love to be a part of that church. But unfortunately, far too often, I'm still guilty of putting up walls of hostility. I'm guilty of thinking I've got it right and you should get it right too. 
So what does it actually look like for us to receive this peace and this life that Jesus wants to give? That this hostility between us can disappear? Well, I think there's a couple of things we can do to experience this today and tomorrow and every day. The first is this. Admit when you're wrong. When you and I believe that we are right and we think we know somebody else and their motives and their intentions and their perspectives and we think we understand them and we get it wrong, let's be the first to admit, I've screwed up. I need forgiveness because I was once far off but God has brought me near. Admit that you're wrong. Second is this, I think that in order for us to see this unity God intends, this oneness in the body, this life where hostility is torn down in order to see this, you and I need to learn to listen. Truly listen. And what I mean by that is if you think you understand somebody, ask, clarify, double check, is this what you mean? Is this what you're saying? Is this what you think? Is this what you feel? I want to actually understand you. Most of the time when people came and approached Jesus, he didn't answer them with answers of profound truth and profound wisdom. No, most of the time when they came with questions and they challenged and they poked and they prodded, he answered with questions. Well, let me understand you a little bit more. And then we'll go from there. So first, if we want to experience this kind of unity, we need to seek forgiveness. Second, we need to seek to listen more. And third, I think to experience this kind of unity, you and I, we need, completely lost my train of thought. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. So here on the couch, this is not, yep. Uh, I had a third thing and I just completely lost my train of thought. So clearly God said it's not that important. Uh, that hasn't happened in a really long time. Whoops. You and I, if we want to come together without this hostility, we need to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you have brought us near. You have made us one. Help us to live as one. And then we need to actually seek out those that we have wronged. And hey, I just thought of it. It came back. Whew. What a relief. This third thing we need to do is as we seek out those who have wronged us, dang. All right, I'm just gonna quit. I'm done. It again, dis disappeared. Assume the best. There it is. All right, assume the best, right? It's so easy thinking that this other person has a bad motive, a bad intent, an ill will towards us. But what if we assume the best? What if I hear you speak and rather than getting defensive or immediately judging and thinking, I know what he means or what he's trying to say, what if we say, what's the best possible construction? The most positive way that this could be intended or meant? And how do we trust this person has good intentions? Now, there are times when people don't and that's okay. There are times when people get it wrong, but you know what? That's where we forgive as well. Church, later today, we get to experience communion for the first time in seven or eight weeks. And I am so looking forward to tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. See, every time we come together and we receive that meal, we declare this unity in Christ.
This is why Jesus, he warned, if, if you have anything against your brother when you come to offer your gift at the altar, leave it there and go and reconcile. Go and make it right and then come back and come to me. Church, when we come today to communion, I want to encourage this. Is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? Is there anyone that you need to ask forgiveness from? Anybody that in, in thinking you understood or knew you were quick to talk, but you should have listened? Will you do this today? Go and make it right. Go and seek forgiveness or give forgiveness or ask for clarity. Go and make it right. That we can come and receive together as one body, united not by our opinions or perspectives or our lifestyles or our past, but only united in the present and future reality that Christ has brought us near. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you have torn down all hostility. And yet in our flesh, we continue to create new barriers, new ways to separate ourselves, to determine that we know others better than they know themselves. God, help us to surrender this hostility, to seek peace, to walk in your peace, to remember that we were once far off and distant from hope, but you have brought us near. God, may we love your church, not just the point, but all the churches here in Knoxville, all the churches across Tennessee and this, this world, all the churches, God, that are lifting up your name and genuinely desiring to walk with you, to know you. May we love them even when they look or act or think differently. God, may we love one another that we would assume the best, give the benefit of the doubt, and trust even when it hasn't yet been earned. Thank you, God, for your great and wonderful love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, thank you for uh, being okay with me, not always getting it right, and uh, sometimes bumbling a little bit. Now, I'm going to give you real quick one last opportunity if you're watching on live stream at thepointknox.com or if you're watching on Facebook, this is your last chance to get entered to win that gift card to water into wine. We love water into wine as we love so many local businesses here in town and we love doing what we can to help you connect with them and, and not only connect with them, serve them and support them. And we are going to continue now with offering. And in a moment, I'm going to invite Emily and Roger back. And they're going to uh, sing another song as we uh, give our offering. Our offering is a gift we give to God uh, as a way of trusting Him. Saying, God, I want to be a part in tearing down this hostility. I want to join in sharing your peace and bringing unity and proclaiming that you are the God who makes it right. And so whether we give electronically at, at thepointknox.com, you can click on that little blue button, or you can give by going through a region's bank drive through or, or you can give by mailing in a check. However you give, we give to join God in the work that he's doing. We give not to get his love, but because we already have it. Thank you for supporting The Point and partnering with us. I'm so excited to see you later today for this drive through communion. Hey guys, so this is the part of the service where I get the opportunity to address some of the questions that you sent in. And there's a lot of them today. Many of them are about communion. So if you're going to be joining us for communion in uh, about an hour, in a little while, 
um, listen carefully, this is for you. So uh, a few of the questions are about how, how's it going to be done to keep people safe? Where do you go? Where do you start? Um, so I'll just share kind of what we're going to do today. I'm going to be setting up the communion um, table that we have every week when we do communion. I'm going to set it up just outside of our storage container that's behind the Downtown West Theater. So if you always come in from the Downtown West side, you're going to have to go around the building. If you come in from the Ray Muir side and that entrance, uh, you'll see us right there. I'll be visible and noticeable. We'll have a big sign so you can't miss us. And I don't know the direction the line's going to wrap. We'll kind of play it by ear and see how it goes. Um, but there'll be a, most likely a visible line for you to drive up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be wearing a face mask and some gloves. And I'm going to come up to your car when you pull up. And we're going to talk for a little bit. And then afterwards, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get the communion for the people in your car who need it and who would like to receive it. I'm going to bring it back and give it to you. And you guys can eat and drink and give your cups back to me um, to put in our, our little trash can that we have. And then if you would like to stick around to see other friends, what you can do is you can pull around and tailgate. Stay in your car, but uh, wave and honk and say hello to people from a distance that are coming to receive communion, people from the church you miss. Uh, another question that came in about communion is, uh, can we give our offering today while coming for communion? And if you're somebody who really loves cash or check uh, giving, yeah, absolutely. You're welcome to give it that way today as well. Um, also, just to help you know, we will have hand sanitizer there and I will be changing my gloves between every car. So that way I'm doing my part to do my best to keep you safe while bringing you communion. All right, I love you, Jesus loves me and my tattoo shirt. Thank you guys for making church so fun to attend by sharing God's love and not judgment. Hey, you're welcome. We still have a few more of these shirts. Uh, somewhere very far back in our storage unit. So when we gather together again, I will gladly give you one if we have your size. And if not, we're going to be ordering some more sometime soon anyway. Um, next, how do we and fellow believers help promote unity as opposed to division, which America seems to thrive on? I think this is an opportunity where we as a church can actually stand out in this time in a really beautiful way. See, we can promote unity when we are quick to forgive and even quicker to seek forgiveness. We can promote unity when we assume the other person is not evil. And we start with believing they have a good intention. Now, it may be difficult to know that good intention, so it's worth asking. Clarify, what is your motive? What's your intention? What do you want here? Also, we can seek to actually listen to people. What are their hurts? What are their cares? What are their fears? What drives the things that otherwise might be perceived as divisive? More often than not, we have similar fears and similar concerns and very similar passions. We just express them differently. All right, next up, let's see. How do you forgive someone who keeps pushing you away even, uh, even though you know they can't help it but it still makes it harder to forgive them. Forgiving somebody doesn't always mean they remain a big part of your life. Forgiving them means you wish no ill upon them and actually want God's blessings for them. And so if they continue to push you away, it's okay to set boundaries and say, if you don't want to be in my life right now, that's okay, you don't have to be. I'm here for you as often as you need. And to forgive them is to daily come back to Jesus as long as it continues to hurt and say, Jesus, I'm hurting and I need your help. 
I need your peace. Help me to love them when they don't want to be loved. Show me what that's like. See, Jesus showed us how to love when we don't want to be loved by giving all of himself for us. And I know he can strengthen you and help you every day to give a little more of yourself to the person who doesn't want to be loved. All right, next up. Uh, What do you do when you know you need to forgive someone, but you're still hurt and angry and you're not ready to forgive them? Can you still receive communion? In 1 Corinthians 11, there's a warning that if you receive communion unworthily, um, it could actually be to your detriment. And so here's what I want to encourage you. If there's somebody that you really adamantly cannot or will not forgive, come today to the drive-through line and tell me that you're struggling to forgive, but you want help uh, forgiving. And I will give you a blessing from God and his grace and his forgiveness, even apart from communion. So that when you're ready to forgive that person and you're ready to say, God, I want you to make this right, I'll be there for you to give you communion. All right. Uh, Let's see. There's a lot of them, so thank you for your patience. Uh, I think that's all of them. If I missed one, please let me know, and I will try to respond to it sometime later. Um, One last thing before we give away this gift card as we conclude. Uh, Some of you have probably heard that Governor Lee earlier this week said that as of May 1st, the Safer at Home order will be lifted. You'll be free to go back to opening up businesses and going back to somewhat some kind of normal. And so the question is, what does this have to do with the point? When will we gather in person again? And the answer to that is, I still don't know. Uh, And I don't know because while Governor Lee has said the state could reopen and go back to some kind of new normal, uh, Knox County hasn't made anything specific about what we're going to do. And so we're going to continue to follow Knox County to listen and to trust. uh, And when it's allowed and safe, we're going to reopen. And there's a good chance that we're going to gather together in small phases initially because that's what it seems the whole state's recommending. Uh, Not out of fear, not out of paranoia, but out of a desire to honor the government and also, more importantly, love our neighbor who may potentially be at a higher risk. Uh, So yes, things are opening back up, but for us, they're going to continue as is for the time being. And keep an eye out on thepointknox.com to know the the most up-to-date updates anytime we have them. All right, Emily, I think we have a gift card today to give away. Uh, do you have names for me to draw? Yes. Of course, I catch her right as she's responding on Facebook to somebody's comment. We lost Facebook. Oh, we lost it. All right. I sent a so, link out. You All sent right. it out. All right, Emily, you have somebody's name to receive a gift card. Yes. All right. Do you want to pull it? I'll pull it. You ready Three, for it? Three, two, one. All right. Let's see who we've got here. We are giving this away to Melissa Foster. Oh. Hey! Okay, Chris Foster. Your husband will deliver it to you. Make sure it gets to you, Melissa. (laughs) This works because these guys have been working overtime today with all the technical difficulties. So Chris is here doing sound. Uh, I promise I didn't like rig it, but that worked out really nicely. (laughs) For the rest of you, uh, thank you for joining us today. Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. See you next week.
Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.